Welcome to Ask the Dean. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, and I'm the co-founder of MAPT. I'm joined every week by Rachel Grubbs, the other co-founder of MAPT, who has 20 years' experience in the pre-med and test prep world, and by Dr. Scott Wright, former executive director of TMDSAS and former director of admissions at UT Southwestern Medical School. Ask the Dean is a weekly Q&A we do live exclusively for our MAPT members, and this podcast is a recording of that session so that everyone can benefit from that knowledge. Let the knowledge flow. Ask the Dean, episode 83 with the marvelous MAPT team. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, your host here, co-host rather, with uh, the wonderful Verenia Granum. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you, sir. That is wonderful. Verenia, you are the former assistant dean in the pre-health and STEM advising office at Hofstra, Hofstra. University. Pinky Hofstra. Up. Yeah, you got pinky up, nose up. <laughs> Hofstra. Not nose, um, not so <laughs> You've been with the MAP team now for several months, yeah. rocking and rolling, helping students one-on-one, uh, both with their applications and uh, in mapped advising chat yes. uh, for students who don't know and in, in mapped you can add on chat advising and uh Verinia is one of the heavy hitters in there helping helping students in map helping students out i love it there you thank go you. thank you um also with us dr scott wright a man who needs no introduction hello, hello, former hello. director of admissions at ut southwestern and retired executive D- director at tmdsas how are you yeah. doing doing well doing well i'm just uh really enjoying uh Getting to uh, talk to tons of uh, applicants and students who want to be successful. It's it's just uh, real energy. Uh, provides me lots of energy and I love it. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's one of those things that uh, I, I know, Rachel, I think you and I had a, a conversation early on when you started talking to students in, in this kind of advising world uh, outside of the MCAT stuff. And it's like, wow, it's just really invigorating and fun. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's awesome. I love yep. it. Absolutely. And Rachel, uh, Rachel Grubbs, co-founder of Mapped. How are you doing today? I'm excellent. I'm very happy to be here. Yes, yes. Wunderbar. So we are here for you to answer your questions. If you're watching on Instagram, hello, I'll wave in front of the the, the iPhone camera. Um, If you want to come ask questions, I'm not looking at uh, Instagram to pull the questions in. Go to mapped.tv to ask your questions there. We have a ton of questions ready to go. Yeah, indeed we do. All right. First one from Ryan. Wonderful name, Ryan. Is this yeah. clinical? I love this. We really need to get is this clinical.com rocking and rolling. Uh, I direct and transport patients, answer patient questions, provide information about the COVID vaccine, provide food and water to patients with low blood sugar and monitor uh, them for adverse reactions. Yeah. Sounds clinical to me. Sounds clinical. Easy peasy. Yeah. Uh, Jyoti, Jyoti asks, uh, hi, pre-health committee at my college requires at least five academic letters. Oh my Lord. Uh, so that they can write a letter for me. They say I can submit letters from extracurriculars to them as well. What should I do? Well, (laughs) Verinia, what do you think? If you want the committee letter, then you'll have to sort of 
you know, yeah. give them what they're asking for. Mm-hmm. Um, in in my experience at, at Hofstra, when we had our um, committee process, um, we would not have like a specific number of letters that we recommended, but um, we really just kept them on file. This was sort of the benefit. We kept them on file for students and then submitted everything as one big letter packet. So it wasn't yep. like the student had to run around trying to, you know, find all yeah. these other recommenders. So there is some positive to it. Um, but if that's what they're asking for, you're going to have to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, that's the simple thing. It yeah. says they require, yeah. if, if you want a committee letter, which you don't have to have a committee letter, but if you right. want one, then you got to do what they say. Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. Yes. As simple as that. So I have a question for, for Verinia and Scott. Um, Scott, uh, while you were the uh, former director of admissions at a medical school at UT Southwestern, mm-hmm. you also were the dean of a pre-health advising office yep. uh, at UT Dallas as well. Mm-hmm. Um when and if if you did this, when letters would come in for your committee letter, would you guide the student and say, maybe we shouldn't use this letter? It's not very good. Would you give that advice to students or no? No, no. Okay. No, we never share. Do you think that's unethical to do that? I do. I, I do, especially because in ninety five percent of the cases, the student has waived access to mm-hmm. that, anything Correct. at all about right. that letter. And mm-hmm. so, I I would find it personally unethical for me then to even give any kind of feeling about it. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. So, yeah. And, you know, that's pretty rare. I mean, it's pretty rare to have a negative letter or even a lukewarm letter uh, come in for a student. I mean, it does happen, but it's not it doesn't happen very often. Yeah. Unfortunately, the chances are rare, but never zero. Yeah, right. Possible, not probable. Possible, yeah. And I I know it's so much harder now. I mean, so many things have become harder in the last two years. But what I used to always tell students is always ask your letter of recommender, um, you know, prospective candidate in person. Um, Mm -hmm. These days, you know, maybe a Zoom call. But what you're looking for is the awkward pause. Mm-hmm. Right. If they give you an awkward pause, you want to give them a graceful out. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I know that's harder now, right? It's a lot easier to shoot an email. And if you've been talking to someone and have a strong relationship and they've praised you in the past, then an email is probably fine. Yeah. But if you're if you're not sure, you know, you know, and this is part of why we talk about you know, freshman or sophomore year, if you're a career changer, when you're early in your prereqs, start talking to the professors yep. about the possibility of it so you can build that relationship. Because, yep. yeah, it's really on you as the student to know, is this person, you know, right. do they respect me and admire me enough to write a strong letter? Right. Yep. So uh, a follow-up from uh, GOT is specifically about the extracurricular. So they require the faculty ones should they also add extracurriculars. And again, I think it goes to what we're, what we're talking about already is um, how well do those letter writers know you? How right. much are they going to add about who you are potentially matching right. up to some of the, the AMC core competencies? So, yeah. 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 Cameron asks, at what point do you send an LOI? I interviewed on December 10th. So letter of intent, uh, mm-hmm. potentially. Well, let's, let's assume it's intent and not a letter of interest. Dr. Wright, what do you think? Letter of intent, very popular question this time of year. Yeah, I think if you are, if you interviewed tw- uh, December 10th, 
Uh, I think it's appropriate now to, to send a letter if you haven't heard anything yet from that from that school. Uh, go, you know, I, I and it's like we've talked about before the, the a letter of intent is not going to be necessarily viewed as negative. So there's not a neg- there's not really a downside unless you screw something up in the letter itself. Yep. But uh, uh, but I would say you know now would be an appropriate time. Yep. Yeah. And, and I think it also depends just one extra caveat on what did the school tell you after you interviewed? Mm-hmm. Did they right. tell you it was going to be six weeks until you would hear something Right. then potentially don't, don't bug them before that date. Right. Right. That's right. Maude asks, can I talk about my high school experience, getting my medical assistant certification and lead it with work that I've done in my personal statement? my high school experience with my residents. So this is a very common question that uh, students love to talk about the certification. I got my EMT certification. I got my medical assistant certification. The certification is useless in my mind, right? It's what did you do with that certification? So you don't need to talk about getting the certification. You need to talk about what it allowed you to do, which it sounds like was later on anyway that you can write about. So people will, will want to put certification stuff in their activity descriptions, uh, like have a specific activity of, I got my certification. I'm like, I don't care about that. You have another activity that says you're an EMT. You obviously had your certification. So um, mm-hmm. th- those are less impactful things there. Yeah. I think students do that to show that they've had an interest from that age, right? From yeah. since high school, they were so motivated to do this that they got certified, which is great. But as Ryan was just saying, what did you do with that? Yeah. 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 I do think some of it too is just like, generally speaking, pre-meds like school. <laughs> school's fun and school's rewarding. Yeah. I mean, I have that. I'm a yoga teacher, but I can't stop taking yoga teacher trainings because they're just really fun. <laughs> yeah. I, I might like them more than I like teaching. <laughs> I like teaching. <laughs> just, all right. Uh, let's see. From Charlotte, as a non-trad, is it okay to talk about a past office job serving my community with respect to public assistance programs in my application? It is completely non-related to medicine, and I was not a pre-med. I love this question, Veruni. We talk about this all the time. Students, especially non-trads, mm-hmm. mistakenly leave non-medical stuff off of their applications, mm-hmm. which leads to huge gaps in their timeline and potentially big pieces of who they are as a person. What are, you, what are your thoughts there? I, I, you're absolutely right. I see that all the time. Of course, please include it because it's who, it's part of who you were before this, right? You didn't just suddenly become a pre-med and not have uh, anything prior to that experience. So um, it doesn't need to be just related to medicine. It doesn't need to be just related to, um, you know, clinical work and things like that. You had a past life, so to speak, Um and you know absolutely speak about it but also um it shows you know there's things within that that shows that you're also a great candidate for you know career in medicine because you worked in the community you helped people you supported people so it's even Mm -hmm. you know any any type of employment you had a past life do you scott do you remember uh any students from from your time at, at ut southwestern 
non-medical related activities that they did that that you can still remember to this day oh yeah i absolutely do i we had one uh one young lady who uh was a big part of the way that she um supported herself in college was selling um I, i i don't remember which cosmetic uh, brand it was. It was one of those that you do from home. Mm-hmm. I want to say it was like um, Avon or something like that. Although yep. I think Avon's like really old. So I think <laughs> it was something sort of like that. Yep. Anyway, and she was uh, from Vietnamese uh, descent. And so she ended up going back to Vietnam for a gap year and went to Vietnam to establish this brand and and give women in Vietnam who had no means of supporting themselves uh, a, an, a, a, an option of th- you can do this to help you, you yeah. know, sell, you know, sell these products and stuff. And it was enormously successful. And, you know, when she came back to uh, the application process, it was really a very compelling story and very compelling, you know, idea that here was something that she did. She ended up taking two more gap years after that because it just took off so big in Vietnam wow. that she she was just developing all these networks and stuff. And it was really an incredible story. Yeah. Wow. Not related to medicine. Not and, at all. And Mm-mm. you're still beaming about it to this day. Oh, oh yeah. It was yeah. I, it was one of the my favorite stories uh to listen to. And you know, and and the funny thing was, you know, we would not typically grant extra gap years to students who we had already admitted, but that yeah. was an example of somebody who were like, Absolutely, if you want to mm-hmm. take another year, you go do what you're doing because it's such a good thing. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's awesome. Not, that is awesome. Uh, it was incredible. We have this from some prior show, but I feel it's yep. relevant again. Yeah, yep. absolutely. Who you are, not who you think I want you to be. Yeah, and that's that's a big message that we push here at Mapped. I, I know uh, we have some some close friends in the in the industry helping students, and and they have completely opposite views. Uh, and and I just couldn't disagree more with like i'm going to tell you who who you want me to be how compassionate i am and how motivated i am to 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 help this one specific community i'm like just be yourself just be yourself mm-hmm. yeah yep. i just think in real life that would never work you know like if i meet someone and instead of just letting me get to know them they start describing their personality yeah. it's going to immediately seem insincere yeah. you know if you say like nobody's more compassionate than me i'm like i don't know because compassionate people usually aren't hyper competitive (laughs) yeah you're super (laughs) humble too aren't you yeah (laughs) i'm the most humble (laughs) that's right um people people have said i'm the most humble people yeah (laughs) many people everyone (laughs) people are saying all right okay okay Okay. focus up uh leanne sarah leanne sarah hi thank you for answering our questions every week you are welcome if you didn't know we are here almost every single week at 1 p.m eastern on wednesdays and then i also do uh kind of a solo show on instagram live on fridays at 11 a.m eastern so uh trying to answer as many questions as possible for you every week um i would like to know what undergrad gpa med schools screen out please (laughs) if only this were an easy answer 
it's it's impossible to answer. I'm sorry, Leanne, Sarah. This is one we cannot answer yeah. because every medical school has something different. The far majority of schools do not uh, publicly talk about these numbers to allow them some flexibility and and what they're doing year in and year out. Um, so the the answer is do as best as you can do and. Yeah. Hope if if you have a lower GPA that you have a good upward mm-hmm. trend, and if you have yeah. specific questions about that, uh, Leanne, I think should should win our uh, our, oh, our math access. Yeah, um, for for a year, and we'll give you access to the Mapped Advising chat. So you, you sign up for Mapped uh, um, or reach out to info at mapped.com. We'll get you set up with a free account for mm-hmm. the year. You can put in all of your information and then reach out um, through the the chat advising and say okay like here are my numbers um and then we can give you a little bit more specific information mm-hmm. yeah yeah so leanne yeah reach out to me at info info at mapped m-a-p-p-d.com um and uh just remind me that we talked about this today in the session and we'll hook you up yay yay leanne sarah Woohoo! All right, let's keep trucking. All right, uh, Ryan asked this question last week. He's been very polite about coming back and asking again. So, I, who who is that uh, as the avatar? Is that uh, Odo Beckham thirteen? I don't I know. Think so. Um, Looks like my advisor told me I need a REU or surf type of research. Are those programs really that much better than working with small state schools with research projects? They're so cool. I don't even know what the heck they are. <laughs> what what are those? So I don't. I'm not sure about REU. SURF stands for Summer Undergraduate Research Fellowship. Okay. And so it's it's it. You know, some medical schools, and I think they're funded by. I don't know if they're NIH funded or what. I'm not sure how they're funded, but they. Um, but they they they're a competitive process. You apply for them, and then yep. you go into a six week program. You get paid uh, to to work for six weeks, six to seven weeks in a research uh, lab at a uh, at a medical school for the summer. And uh, so, to me, the short answer to the question, Ryan, is. No, those programs are not necessarily that much better than working with us, uh, you know, in any other kind of research capacity. I think it could be more expansive uh, than than what you might find at a small school or in a small lab. Uh, you're going to get a different experience. But in terms of what the admissions committee is going to look at, I, unless you're going into MD PhD program or something like that, that's really more hyper uh, specialized. Then I would say no. I don't agree with your advisor. Yeah, so REU looks like it's from the National Science Foundation Research Experience for Undergraduates. Um, It's a very similar type of program that you apply for. It just screams of this kind of elitism Mm -hmm. to me of this is so much better because you have to apply for it and you have to be granted. You have to be privileged enough to get it. And it's just like do research. Yep, yep. And talk about how it's impacted you yep. and make the best of it wherever you can get it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I just I, I don't like that type of like elitism in that yes. sort of. I completely agree with that. Yeah. I mean, honestly, that it, it, it's not just a name brand thing. It's the assumption of the money and time to do that, to do a program like that, that is, you know, limited time, limited location, not necessarily paid. Mm-hmm. Um you know, it just, 
we don't we don't need more ways to only get doctors who are rich. There's there's nothing wrong with rich doctors, but we should have doctors who reflect our whole population and not yes, everyone's going to have the means to do those kinds of programs. And that's yeah. that's fine. Yeah. I agree. We want a symphony, a whole yes. orchestra. Love that. <laughs> Everyone needs an oboe player. Well, speaking of that, that's so funny because in the on the admissions committee at Southwestern, we used to keep track of uh, what instruments people played because they would say in their application, oh, I'm a violinist or I do this or, you know, I play the drums or whatever. And we would keep track so that we could have a good symphony uh, in our (laughs) medical school. Yeah. So is that that's the key to get into medical school? No, you have to play an instrument. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, but you know we don't want we don't want fourteen thousand trumpets and then you know no no oboes or whatever. Yeah. Right, you gotta have an oboe. I, mean, I we, played the oboe and I was only one of two in my orchestra. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is literally the secret to get those special scholarships. Yeah. Is be that one person <laughs> who plays the instrument that yeah, nobody knows nobody about. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was both second chair and last chair. Yeah, but I go. usually said I was second chair. Nice. <laughs> nice. nice. Love it. Love it. Uh, all right. <laughs> uh, Madison asks, I've worked in the ER for about six months and love the staff. Would it be appropriate for me to ask a few nurses to collectively write me a letter of recommendation unfortunately i don't work with the doctors as often scott what do you think about this situation we we've talked about kind of previously mm-hmm. um kind of not the pi but other kind of research right. assistance uh, right. potentially write a letter uh we've talked about uh maybe residents or fellows and not mm-hmm. the attending mm-hmm. contributing mm-hmm. to a letter what do you think about here um i i, I like the idea i think you know, especially if the nurses know you really well. And, and I like the idea of a collective letter that they all sign and say, this is our, you know, idea about, about, I think it would be a stronger letter if a doctor was on the letter, but I, I don't, I'm not opposed to, I certainly understand if you don't work with the doctors that often and you really know the nursing staff much better, I'd say go for it. Yeah. And, and potentially asking those nurses to say, Hey, it's kind of better to have a, a doctor sign off on this. Is this something collectively, maybe the, the yeah. six of you nurses and then Dr. Smith can, can kind of can co-sign it, it with you yeah. all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. yep. Great, great. Avery, I was born and raised in the great state of Texas. I went to college in Arkansas and Minnesota. I stayed in Minnesota after graduating, but my whole family lives in Texas still. Dr. Scott Wright, question for you. Would I still be considered a Texas resident? Oh, my. (laughs) So, Avery, there is a little complication to this question, but generally speaking, uh, you would not still be considered a Texas resident. If you, it depends a little bit on how long you've been in Minnesota. You don't really say that in the question uh, that you stayed in Minnesota. The only circumstance that would allow you to still be a, res, a resident of Texas in this situation would be if you could prove that the, the reason you stayed in Minnesota was temporary mm-hmm. and that your intention all along was to come back to Texas. But generally speaking, uh, once you leave the state and stay out of state and you're not in school any longer, you've lost your residency. Yeah. So, so I'll, I'll add on Avery. 
this is going to be very state dependent. Yeah. So Scott is talking about Texas. Scott, mm-hmm. obviously, um, as the former uh, retired director of TMDSAS, knows a lot about the Texas laws. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've worked with a student from Kentucky, uh, I believe. Yeah, Kentucky. Um, and they had a, a rule, at least when she checked, because she moved from Kentucky to Texas in the middle of the application. Mm-hmm. And sh- I told her, reach out to Kentucky and and, th- and ask, what are they going to think about you uh, in terms of residency status? And Kentucky said, you graduated from high school here. Your parents are still here. We'll consider you as in-state. Mm-hmm. So it's just going to depend on each state. So um, for, for everyone else outside of Avery, think about that and, and just ask those questions uh, mm-hmm. to the schools and to the, and, and you yeah. can Google state residency uh, yeah. requirements because uh, that's what the schools are typically going to use. And, and Avery, another thing that I would say is reach out to TNDSAS. They have, or even on their website, they have what's called a residency questionnaire that you mm-hmm. can complete and give back to them. And they'll let you know uh, on the front end of things what you're going to be considered. Yeah. Golden hobby. I <laughs> love Sprite. I love it. I love that picture with a Sprite. Uh, in the activity section, would you recommend the storytelling approach in the experience description of all activities except publications? So I have a, a book in case nobody knows uh, called the pre-med playbook guide to the medical school application process, uh, where I have a whole chapter on experience descriptions. My general advice is I just, I love stories. Uh, mm-hmm. Storytelling uh, can show impact. It shows who you are. Um, and not every activity description will have a good story that goes with it. So um, the, the question here for, all activities? No, not for all activities, uh, but for ones where you can tell a good story. Sure. Yep. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Don't force it, but if it works. Especially rock. in those that you identify as your as most meaningful, mm-hmm. uh, where you get that extra space. That's a oh, yeah. perfect, perfect place for storytelling. Mm-hmm. Yep. Bradley is a lab instructor, example, OCHEM lab instructor, a sufficient recommendation to fulfill a, quote, core science professor letter of recommendation, or should it specifically come from the lecture professor? Verinia, what do you think? Um, I, this is a... This is somewhat of a tougher one. I guess it depends on who's teaching the lab, because I know, for instance, at Hofstra, sometimes we'd have TAs teaching the labs or, you know someone a grad not a grad assistant but a teaching assistant basically um and so you wouldn't want a recommendation letter it's not going to count as a core science faculty person um if it's a teaching assistant so um i guess i guess that's the answer it would depend on who's teaching the lab yeah mm-hmm. yep ideally you want those fancy <laughs> professors mm-hmm. yep. with the patches on their elbows Mm. Yeah, and the pipe, the tweed. Yeah, not weed. The tweed. The tweed. <laughs> I don't know. It was, it was an interesting tweed comment after a pipe comment. Oh, you never know. You never know. Some of these professors are pretty liberal. So. Hey. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> 
That's funny. Hello, Redface. This is awesome. Thanks for doing it. You're welcome. Uh, Rachel asks, no interviews so far this cycle. Sad face. Uh, my stats, 509 MCAT. Awesome. 349 Science GPA. 372 cumulative GPA with no clear trend. I've worked in clinical research for four years, and I'm very proud of my personal statement. Any tips to improve for next cycle? So the big thing for me that stands out there is that no clear trend. What do you think about that, Scott? Yeah, I mean, I think that a little bit of, I I would say a little bit of it depends on where you're applying, uh, what schools that you've applied to. Um, I would say it's also, um, you know, if, if if, if the trend, if there's no clear trend and it's sort of, you know, up and down, then it, it, it may well be that the medical schools are, are confused about who actually you are in terms of as a student. Are you this person or that person if it's kind of kind of going all over the place? Um, I would say that signal to me is, is maybe one of the top ones. Uh, I would also say um, in terms of the clinical, clinical research for four years, that's great. Um, it, you, I would say, you know, I would wonder if you're emphasizing the clinical part of that enough uh, in terms of as opposed to the administrative part of that. Um, and I would be, you know, definitely getting uh, more experience in uh, clinical settings outside of what you're doing in, re- in the clinical research setting. Uh, if you don't have any, you know, shadowing or if you don't have uh, maybe I would get, you know, try to reach out and get more clinical experience in a different setting uh, that might set you apart in a new application cycle. So, yeah. It's a tough one. It is a tough one. Rachel, uh, think about applying for application renovation. We Mm -hmm. are um, moving forward shortly uh, with uh, recording our next season. So if you go to medicalschoolhq.net slash apply, you can apply for that. Yeah, Definitely. I've been getting more and more comments that the students are like, you are brutal on that show. I'm like, I just like, <laughs> just pointing out things. I think I don't know. Sorry. Uh, I keep hearing the word brutal, too, but I also keep hearing it complimentary. Yeah. You know, like I talked to a student the other day who was like, yeah, I heard about you guys because I heard Ryan was the only one we could trust to be brutal. <laughs> like, yeah. Wow. Uh, (laughs) I don't know about the only one, but yeah, he he doesn't mince words. Um, I mean, I think a good advisor is not going to avoid a tough conversation with you. Um, And uh, yeah, so application renovation is a great way to do that. I would also say while we're talking about our shows, that Scott's Am I Ready is a great way to do that if you haven't applied yet and you're not sure if you're ready. So you can apply for either of those shows. So either... I'm a reapplicant and I don't know what to do, or I'm not sure if I should apply this year or next year. I posted it in the comments. So, so it's not here on the clickable on the screen, but it's clickable in the comments. Yep. All right. Um, let's see. Ryan asks, I'm applying this cycle. When should I ask for LORs? I was planning to ask in February. Is this too early? The LOR question. When should we ask, Verinia? In the year that you are applying. (laughs) So now would be great. February is not too late. Uh, Sorry, it's not too early. That's actually the perfect time to start asking. Mm 
Yep. You want to give your recommender some time also to write the letter before your application. Right. Um, so the sooner the better. Plus, I, I, I like February because uh, a lot of students are working on their personal statements in January. Mm-hmm. And personally, I like for a student when they request a letter, send a copy of your personal statement to the letter writer so they can get a, you know, a picture mm-hmm. of kind of what you're saying to the, to the admissions committees in that personal statement. It also reminds them a little bit of your story and, you know, mm-hmm. stuff like that. So, That's uh, a good idea. so I think mm-hmm. February is a great, a great time to do it. Yep. How is virtual shadowing viewed in this recent cycle? It is amazing, uh, especially e-shadowing, basically only e-shadowing, not any of the <laughs> other ones. Uh, look, medical schools know that shadowing has been basically shut down uh, depending on where you are in the country. Mm-hmm. And so medical schools understand that, that one of the only ways to do things now is in a virtual way. Uh, and so there are lots of programs out there, virtualshadowing.com, web shadowers, e-shadowing. The University of Colorado School of Medicine has a program where you can watch some some great uh, produced videos. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you want a, an official certificate from them, you can pay a little bit of money to get an official certi- certificate. You don't have to, um, to include it on your application. So uh, include it, talk about it. It is what it is. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. Hun asks, I want to be a pathologist. I've applied to an internship at a body farm. Ooh, is that the one in Tennessee? Uh, for this summer, and I'm scrounging to find paths to shadow. How else can uh, I prove my interest in this field to admissions? You don't. <laughs> you don't. So, uh, Scott, what do you think here? Uh, we, we very often talk to students uh, who... Like Han is like, I know I want to be a pathologist. All of their activities scream, I want to be a pathologist. Their personal statement then reads like, I want to be a pathologist. What are your thoughts from a med school perspective when students are coming in basically saying, I want to be this, train me to be this. I don't care about anything else. Uh, I think that the admissions committee views it as very naive. Um, I think that uh, it's, it's viewed as we don't train pathologists here in medical school. What we train is MDs and everybody basically gets the same training except for a a little bit of differences in the, in the, um, in the uh, elective year, you know, fourth year, typically uh, there, you know, you kind of do some electives and stuff, but basically, you know, everybody's going to be doing the same stuff from the most of the the, medical school experience. And so I think when, when somebody in their application says, this is definitely what I want to be, it's viewed as kind of uh, uh, as naive. Now that doesn't mean necessarily it's viewed negatively, but I I do think it comes across as, as quite naive about the process. Yeah. Verena, you have thoughts? I was just going to say, I would also worry, you know, do you want to be a pathologist because you don't want your patients to talk back to you? (laughs) You don't want to deal with live people. You kind of have to convince them that you do want to work with live people. So. Yep. Yeah, and that's and that's the big thing that that I was going to focus on is is when a student comes in very closed minded, 
How are they going to be on their rotations? Right. When you are doing your surgery rotation, which is a little bit more applicable to pathology, if Mm -hmm. you're dissecting, doing, Mm -hmm. doing autopsies, et cetera, um, you, you may like that. But when it comes to your family medicine rotation, your internal medicine rotation, how are you going to be in those rotations with this mindset of like, this is dumb. I want to be a pathologist. Mm-hmm. And, and so that is the type of kind of reaction that I get from, mm-hmm. from students who are so dead set on something is I'm worried that you're going to be closed minded about yep. those things. Yep. And I'm worried about those things because I was that way. Uh, I went into medical school knowing I wanted to be an orthopedic surgeon. Like that was my goal. That's why I went to med school. I want to cut people. I want to put them back together so they can go enjoy their, their sports, their life, et cetera. And so I'm sitting in histology going, this is stupid. Like, why am I studying histology? This has nothing to do with orthopedics. And, and it was such a closed minded uh, kind of mentality that it, I struggled in medical school because of that until I fixed myself eventually. So be careful. Yeah. yeah. Good advice. Yeah, yeah. Very the, good advice. the goal of your primary application, the goal of your application in general, is to talk about why you want to be a physician, not why you want to be a specific specialty. Yep. That's right. Save that for residency applications. Right. That's right. And good question, hun. We get it yeah, all the time. Absolutely. So you're not alone in wondering yeah. this. Thank you for bringing up the important topic. Yeah, absolutely. Garage Bob, what's up, Garage Bob? Um, yeah. We touched on uh, we touched on if it was appropriate to send a letter of intent after an interview with no decision. Would a letter of intent after being waitlisted back in November be appropriate now as well? Absolutely, I would say yeah, for sure. Because you know when, especially when from the waiting list, if if it gets to that lateness in the cycle. So I'm talking about April, May, June, that time period. Uh, Then what the medical schools are doing is they're trying to fill a place in their class. Uh, If a a place has come open because somebody pulled out or delayed or whatever. And, uh, and so that might be very helpful when they look in the file and they see this person absolutely says they will be here. You know, that could be, you know, a differentiator between you and somebody else that, you know, that didn't send a letter of that type. And so I would say now would be a, a very appropriate time for that kind of letter in the circumstance that you're talking about, Garage Bob. Yeah. The the question I would potentially ask as a follow-up is this pre-interview wait list or post-interview? Post-interview, sure. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Good, good point. Yeah. There's some schools that do pre-interview holds right. and wait lists. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I want to pull up one here um, uh, from Adawal. Adawale. Uh, I missed the mapped Black Friday sale. Well, I have to wait until November for the next lovely sale. I bet if you email info at map.com, uh, Rachel may be able to help you out. Ah, so. We're friendly here. Uh, if you didn't know, we, we offer one-on-one advising. So if you're someone who's struggling with writing your essays, have questions about your journey, you need some interview prep, uh, we can help you with that. Uh, we also have our amazing mapped software that you can sign up and use as well and have chat advising built into mapped uh, mm-hmm. as well as, a, as an extra cost yep. for now, potentially. 
Maybe. And we can be as brutally honest as you want us to be. <laughs> if you we can should, take it, have, I can dish it. We should have a meter of like yeah. Rachel, Rachel honest, brutally honest, or Ryan yeah. brutally honest. Like, which one do you want? It's absolutely a spectrum. We're all going to be absolutely. honest. How much do you want it wrapped in velvet? <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> okay uh, oh, I saw a good one and then I lost my place okay Jawad Jawad asks Dio Stigma are Dio's not as successful as MD's are there discrepancies in income uh, there is Dio Stigma um, there's there's stigma about everything in life so, so yes there's still some Dio Stigma it's going down every year um, as more of the crusty old white guys uh, retire from practice and leave their residency program director spots. Um, but there's some, still some stigma out there. Uh, usually it's, it's kind of cornered in different, more of the elite uh, programs and, and uh, institutions out there. Uh, DOs are just as successful as MDs make the same amount of money as MDs. Uh, there's no discrepancy in, in income there. Once you're a physician, you're a physician, you're, you're making bank. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> Sasha asks I had a 4.0 in my freshman year but in OCAM I got an A minus dun 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 <laughs> an A minus isn't a bad grade by any means but it ends up being a downward trend since an A minus is a 3.7 how is this viewed by adcoms Oh, uh, we love bless you. your heart. <laughs> your heart. Um, uh, yeah. Okay. So the good news is here, students have been listening to us talk about upward and downward trend, right? Yeah. That is really resonating. People are hearing us when we say not all GPAs are created equal. Yep. Um, the piece that we need to get more clear is usually when we're talking about that, we're talking about people who have lower cumulatives, and are trying to do some reparation. So if you have one 3.7 your freshman year, and that means that your overall freshman year is still probably like 3.9 something, no one's even going to blink. No one's going to be looking at those trends, right? right? It's, it's more about, and again, there's not a black and white rubric, but as a, as a more relevant example, if you have a 3.3, I'd be interested to see were you killing it and then you fell off as the sciences got harder? Or did you have a rough semester somewhere early and then you recovered, right? Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, Sasha, uh, we answer these questions because we want to clarify, but also be careful because the people who don't have grades as awesome as yours, they're all going <laughs> frowny faces you right now. do <laughs> not need to be a perfect student to get into medical school. Right? <sighs> And by definition, a trend is several credits, right? You know, a semester, two semesters, one drop in one grade in one particular semester is not considered a trend. No, nope. that's right. Very good point. Mm -hmm. um. I, I think I want to make a shirt. You don't need a 4.0. <laughs> uh, Justin asks, is there any hidden dress code doctors expect during shadowing. I don't want to show up in a suit and tie and get weird looks. Uh, yes, a suit and tie, you'd probably get some weird looks. Yep. Right. So uh, the doctor attire 
um, even if you are planning on shadowing in the operating room, unless you are told otherwise, is business casual. Um, So you're wearing khakis, maybe some dressier pants, a shirt and a tie. You don't need a a suit jacket or or a sport coat or anything. Good question. I have so many ties upstairs. I I used to (laughs) love shopping for ties. And then I I got into the military and went active duty in the military. And now they just sit. I don't wear ties anymore. So maybe I I haven't worn a tie in forever. You know what I want to do? I'm going to start a pre-med tie fund. Um, If you are a pre-med out there who needs some ties, let's figure out how to get you some ties. Now, I have a bunch of bow ties. (laughs) (laughs) I could never rock the bow tie. But yes, bow ties are completely appropriate as well. I love the bow tie. Love the bow tie. I like this. I want to figure out a way to do something for the whole gender spectrum, but I like where it's going. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we'll we'll get back to you guys. <laughs> it's like isitclinical.com. It's there, it's just not done. <laughs> you can go there now and it just says website waiting or Yeah. <laughs> um Okay. Princess asks, I used to go to a Caribbean med school that did not require the MCAT. I decided to withdraw and start studying for the MCAT and apply to U.S. med schools during interviews. Do I mention that? Actually, Princess, you have to mention that on your applications. Uh, They will ask on your application, have you matriculated to another medical school? Uh, And so you would say yes. It doesn't matter that it's a Caribbean medical school. uh, And then you'll have to talk about that. So, yeah. Uh, And as long as you have a good reason why you withdrew uh, and you weren't kicked out of school, um, then it shouldn't be a huge issue. There, there may be some questions around it because uh, mm-hmm. schools may be a little bit skittish of like, are you going to quit again, potentially? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, crush the MCAT. Uh, I, I'm actually glad that you did that. Uh, the Caribbean medical schools that don't require the MCAT typically have a harder time of getting licensed in the States. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not, an, not every Caribbean medical school is eligible for license in California, which is typically the strictest licensing body uh, in, in the country. And a lot of other medical schools are not medical schools, medical boards in each individual state um, will uh, will use California's recommendations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just to be clear, princess, not only are you going to have to answer yes to the, have you attended medical school before, but you have to list every school you've attended, which includes medical schools in other countries. So yep. you'll, you'll actually be listing that coursework and everything. It won't, yeah. it won't necessarily count to towards your GPA, but you're still gonna have to show them all of it. Right. Um, all right. Do we ask questions here? Jordan asks. Yes. <laughs> right here. It's a very meta question. Yeah. Uh, we, I usually say ask on map.tv because that's simplest, but actually any of the Facebook groups, any of the YouTubes, right? This is going out to multiple channels. So if you're seeing us answer questions that aren't where you are, it's just because it's being asked on another channel. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, use guy mcfly Uh, i love the kool-aid guy jumping through uh does being a psychometrist administering iq test at a neuropsychology clinic count for clinical experience that's an interesting one 
Hmm. I would say no. <laughs> I think I'm I, I, I'm probably being a little conservative here, but I would say no. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like uh, my my father in law is a neuropsychologist, and so I know some of the tests that he does. And so uh, a lot of the testing is are, are puzzle type things and and uh, asking questions. I would probably lean towards no as well. Um, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm it not, does I'm seem like some of it. A, yeah, go ahead. Oh, it does seem like some of it is, yeah, how are you administering tests? Mm -hmm. There's a big difference between handing someone a bubble sheet and then, you know, like, like you said, interacting puzzles, talking with them. But yeah, I lean towards no also. Yeah. Uh, Try hard ninja. 7538294. There was an academic integrity report integrity report filed against me but after a case review process it was found that i did not violate academic integrity and no record of this was retained do i have to report nope 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 you were exonerated uh lena asks i want to apply this upcoming cycle but i'm not sure i will graduate on time to matriculate is it okay to apply anyway and then defer to admissions next year i wouldn't bet on it no. Yeah, no. not every school is friendly to deferring. So, no. I agree. Yeah. I, I had this uh, conversation recently with a, a student in Canada who's applying to U.S. medical schools because of COVID. They're, they're a U.S. citizen. They're in school in Canada. Um, because of COVID, they had to come home. They couldn't get back up. Uh, and so one required thing that they had to do had to be pushed back. And they're probably not going to graduate until September, potentially August. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you shouldn't apply. You, you're mm-hmm. you're going to have to wait uh, right. a follow, uh, another year. That's mm-hmm. kind of very close. Yep. Yeah, it's it's such a common misconception. We're so used to saying school starts in the fall, but med schools in the U.S. start mm-hmm. anywhere from the week around the 4th of July to Labor Day. Yep. A lot of people are doing orientation in early, mid-July. Mm-hmm. You're moving to school in June. Mm-hmm. Um, so don't, don't plan on having that summer free. Nope. <laughs> yeah. um, ooh, exciting one from Lauren. Lauren. Hi, Lauren. How are you? Uh, I have an interview with my first choice school on Friday. Yay. I only have 30 minutes for a one-on-one with my interviewer. Is it rude to ask if they have read my personal statement? Should I assume they read it to save time? So here's an interesting thing. I love to tell students, never assume anything. Right. Even if it's an open interview. Just because they have access to something doesn't mean they've actually accessed it and read it and retained it and whatever. Um, And so you don't need to add stuff like, as I wrote about in my personal statement, or as you probably have seen here, like just completely get rid of that information and just answer the question to the Mm -hmm. best of your ability, whether or not you assume they've read it or not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you don't want to come across as being snarky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If, if you were interviewing someone, Scott, and, and they were like, have you read my personal statement? And to me, like, that's like, yeah. um, have you taken yes. the time to, to, yes. uh, to yeah. make sure and, 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 and I can't think of the right word right now, but it's just, it, 
does seem rude to potentially want yeah. to ask that. Do you yeah, really and, know and, who I am? Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> and even 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 just as you said, Ryan, I would I would I eliminate the phrase as I said in my mm-hmm. application. Yeah. Yeah. That just comes across as snarky to me. Yeah. And, and like, I would be like, uh, me? <laughs> yeah. Well, and we get this question a lot because people say like, well, I got an interview question, but I didn't want to use that example because I already used it in my PS or activities or secondaries. They might not have read it. They might have read it and not remember. Use the best mm-hmm. example you have. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Lauren, we're not saying you're being rude by asking this. We're just saying the optics of asking your interviewer that it's a little bit like, did you do your homework for me? And, you know, the, the med school applicant is not in the position to ask those questions. Yeah. But yeah, it's a source of stress. I mean, we get that with mock interview prep where people are like, are you going to spend two hours reviewing my application before the mock interview, just like my real interviewer were? And I'm like, no, just like your real interview, I'm going to walk in cold and see what you do to impress me. <laughs> right? Even the ones that have open, yeah, yep. maybe they've looked at it. Maybe. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. All right. We're coming here to an end. We've probably got time for uh, one more. Let's take a look. Um, Murasir asks how bad does it look to retake your MCAT if you improve the second time around I am also a master student who did not have the best undergraduate GPA the dreaded myth of an MCAT retake Verinia not it does not look bad at all. Don't yep. worry about it, Munasi. Especially since your score went up, it, it's okay. It's mm-hmm. it's okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Oh, one more. That's a good one. Gloria asks: Should I go with a unique but risky personal statement, or stay safe with the usual format? Describe some activities and contribution to why I want to go into medicine. Scott. I, I've seen some interesting ones, like a letter yeah. to my future self or stuff <laughs> like that. Uh, what do you What do you think? <laughs> well, I do. I I do agree that it's it's a little risky, but risky is sometimes good and sometimes not good. So, um, I think the you know it to me it depends on who the reader is and who the person who the uh, admissions committee member is that maybe is the primary for your application as to where they're you know at, at different committee members are going to have different reactions to to a, you know something that's edgy uh, and so i would say is it just a binary there? Do you have to be risky or do you have to be conservative? Or is there a middle ground where you can kind of include some of the, what you consider to be risky elements in your app, in your personal statement uh, without going the full bore out. So, you know, think about, think about it as, as a continuum as opposed to a binary and see if you can kind of come to a middle ground maybe. Yeah. As as up on the screen, Application Academy starts on January 18th. We have, I think we worked out 40 weeks of kind of curriculum and work together. Uh, We understand that not everyone um, 
can afford working one-on-one with one of our advisors. And so Application Academy is a great opportunity at only $500 or $125 over four months uh, to work in a group setting uh, with the wonderful advisors here on Mapped. Uh, we'll have at least uh, two, four, five, uh, almost six hours uh, a week in content and review and interaction and Q&A. Um, only for people who are in the middle of the application process or starting the application process for this next cycle. Um, so applicationacademy.com to go check it out. Yep. yep. All right. Well, we need to wrap up. We did not get to everyone's questions. It was a very popular week, but we are here again next Wednesday, 1 p.m. Eastern. Ryan's got his Instagram live Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern. So come back, ask more questions. We'll get to you. Yes, we will. Thanks for coming. Bye. Bye, everybody. This is Dr. Gray again, closing out. I hope you learned something from our session today. If you haven't yet checked out Mapped, I invite you to try it for free for two weeks by going to mapped.com slash podcast. Track and navigate your journey to medical school using the only tool like it for pre-meds. We'll see you next week here on Ask the Dean.